0: everyone this week we're really excited to bring you an hour of live advice that we gave live on stage at our live show in los angeles a few weeks back at the now hear this festival with guest samantha powell we talked about all kinds of stuff and i'm excited to share it with all of you so here it is enjoy Hello, everyone. I uh, I never get a chance to hear the theme music, and I always forget how much it sounds like a carnival is slowly dying. <laughs> so I'm really excited that that's how we walked on stage today. Uh, welcome to the Dear Prudence show, guys. Uh, I am... I am Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. I am joined today by Samantha Powell, uh, an esteemed guest of the show. Uh, We're joining you today from the Now Hear This podcast festival in Anaheim, which is the one thing I had to remember to say today for the recording. And now I've said it and I feel good. And I just want to let everyone listening to the show later that we are at like a quarter capacity in this room, which means stuff's going to get real and stuff's gonna get in depth and we're just gonna get to like bear our souls to each other which i'm actually like pretty jazzed about um so thanks to all of you guys for for making it um oh i'm so excited i've never done a live show before we have a bunch of questions that we're going to read through together and fight about on the stage uh and then if we have time which i think we will Uh, If anyone in the audience has questions, we will do our best to adjudicate all of your personal lives too. Um, Before we wrap up, I hope all of you have just come from a breakup, Um, like just straight from breakups in the lobby to right here um, so that we can reassure you what a good idea that was. Or I guess like have breakups planned for later in the day uh, that we can, it's almost Halloween. You don't want to be tied down to one person. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that possibility. Uh, we're also, I think, going to try to do some sort of slideshow technique. Uh, Chris looks like he knows what he's doing, um, which I'm pretty jazzed about. So when we read the questions, they will also come up here if you if you want to to read along. Um, but I say, Samantha, I say, let's get started. Yeah. Do you do you have like a, an advice giving philosophy that you want to let the people know about before we start talking?
1: Mm, no, I usually just wing it
0: because <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things about you is how often you are like out on the town uh, and you are seated next to somebody on a date and you will like text or tweet to let me know like just what you think is going on there and like <laughs> what you
1: think they should do and that's always really wonderful I I have I was I think the worst time that ever happened was I was next to a date it was a guy and a girl
0: mm-hmm. and... already a bad start
1: <laughs> And they had had dinner. They had had dinner at the bar. Rookie I was mistake. sitting at the bar having a drink. And when he went to use the restroom, she paid for their both of their meals. That's amazing, actually. When he came back. Oh, no, she did because she didn't like him. He flipped out. <laughs> um, I was guessing that it was about date two or three. Like Their conversation was like, we know each other, but not that well. Um, and he had a meltdown. Heterosexuality does not work. <laughs> it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Like, you try and you
0: try. It just doesn't make sense.
1: So, what... The other thing that I realized is that they had come in the same car, which was his car, which if you're in Los Angeles, if... I mean, I don't have a car, so I can always escape very easily from such situations. But if your car's there, yeah. But he had been her ride. So, I... And I got the feeling that she was, like, uncomfortable by how angry he was about it, but was, like, still considering going home with him. No. And I just wanted to say, no. Oh, that actually,
0: that actually calls for some interventionism, I think, at that point. That's when you just lean over and you're like, don't go home with him. He's a bad person because he hates free dinners. Like, who does that? I was just in the green room, and there was so much free food, and they just filled me with joy. It would be like going in there and being like, Fuck you. Can I curse on this? This is my show. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, great. <laughs> Opening strong. My grandmother's in the audience. Uh, let's let's start by answering some questions, I yeah. think. I'm sorry for that couple. Uh, it's rough for them, but um, we're here and we're alive and we're young and supple and together and uh, <laughs> that's really all we can ask for. Uh, all right, I'm going to get it started with the first one. The subject is what to do or rather how to do it. I hate this person Um, I I don't want good things for him. Uh, Dear Prudence I'm a man and don't let that prejudice you by the way (laughs) approach this you know without any preconceived notions I'm a man in my early 40s going on four years of marriage to a woman in her early 30s from a different country. First marriage for both. Always a great start letting you know like there's going to be more (laughs) this is a warm up. I think I should divorce her Why? I'm bored. I hate having to explain everything in English several times. Or when telling stories. She wants kids in a house, but I'm very reluctant and blame my industry for being hesitant. Sometimes I feel I'm too old to have kids. Sometimes I think it's just with her. If I divorced her, she'd be seriously at a disadvantage due to language and driving levels. Culturally for her, it'd also be a huge black eye. What to do? What to do? What should this poor guy do? How can we help him flourish and live his
1: best life? (laughs) I just, I don't. I, well, one, I feel like he boredom is a weird word to use about a marriage that's only four years old. Also, like, it's not the thirties.
0: No, you didn't have to get married. No. You could have not married her. She wasn't like a pit you didn't see and then stumbled into. <laughs> like you have to, you have to like get up early to get married and like write it down and like call somebody. You need to like do
1: paperwork. Like, that didn't just happen one day. Right. And I feel like the discussion about kids probably should have happened before you got married.
0: I'm, he, I will say this. I'm glad this guy knows he doesn't want kids. Right. Right. No, like I, I, I don't want to just rag on him this whole time. Cause that's not useful. Uh, I think it's very good that he knows that he doesn't want to have kids. Uh, you're not too old. Steve Martin just has, like, he's like as a baby. Um, so he's fine, but, um, you should not have kids, um, at any age. Um, I mean, I think he should probably
1: give her the gift of leaving her, but I'm real worried about her. I am worried about her. I wish I knew more about exactly her situation.
0: I just feel so bad, too, because I have to imagine, like, if this level of kind of, like, irritation and frustration is coming through in his letter, when he has to tell her something more than once, um, because it's, like, not her first language, I can't imagine he's doing so with a lot of grace. No. Just like, oh, darling, my love, of course, I realize that you're in the process of learning this language and living in this country here with me that's like not your native land. Uh, I would gladly repeat myself for you. It's sort of like, (sighs) (laughs) well, like I said, um, yeah, all right. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this guy a couple of things to do. Uh, I think you probably should leave her. I think it would be better for her not to be married to you in her life. Um, But I I would like to encourage you um, to not just like leave her tomorrow because you're bored. Like you clearly don't love this woman, but like take your time, you know, give her a heads up, offer some spousal support, Um, like encourage her to talk to people who aren't you. God, I hope she has friends that aren't you. Um, Yeah. Don't have kids with her. Don't do not do that. Don't get a house with her. Don't get a cat with her. Don't buy, like, a cup of coffee with one of those stamps cards where you get a free coffee at the end. Like, don't even give her that much. She should not be bound to you in any way. But I think you owe – I think you – like, it's clear that you feel like you have a responsibility to her. And you do, right? Like, if yeah. she's not capable of – like, it, like you say you're worried about her driving level and, like, her her ability to communicate. Like, if she's not in a place where she can, like, function without some assistance, like – Find a replacement, Um, whether that's, like, a friend or, like, a legal advocate or something. Like, be helpful to her. But, yeah, get divorced. And don't get married again. What's your industry where you... (laughs) (laughs) This, like, notorious, like, house-hating industry. Like, oh, I wish I could buy a house, but I'm a nurse. Like, (laughs) you know how nurses are about houses. What is that? Ugh. Anything else? Do you think you think you think you should you think he should try to make it work?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. But he definitely needs to think about a transitional period and not just divorcing her and cutting her out of his life because she needs some support from him. And I feel like he owes her that much.
0: Yeah, no, especially when he says like koshly would be a big black eye for her. And he's just like, bummer. You know? Like, <laughs> don't marry someone you're that indifferent to for whom marrying you was such a huge risk that they were like willing to like take on a lot of stuff that would be really hard for them. If things didn't work out, like please give like a minute's thought to your next marriage and like, don't do it. You know, sometimes it's hard not to get married. I get it. It's tempting. Our culture encourages it, but I just, you know, take a deep breath, count backwards from 10, have a snack instead. Um, you know, when the urge passes, you'll still be there. Um, and then you won't have a, a wedding on the other side of it. Um, it's like quitting smoking. You just have to like really white-knuckle your way through the first week and then it gets easier. Um, and and it's that way too with um, marriages based on contempt, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, God, this one's... Ugh. Another great marriage. Uh, Samantha, do you want to read this one? Sure. Okay. Uh, click is the thing. We don't have like a clicker so I just have to let you know to move.
1: So the subject is powering through it. Um dear prudence. I'm living in my husband's home country with him and our our children. We moved here 3 years ago because his mother was very ill and sadly she's recently passed away. This leaves me in a sticky situation because we only moved here for her and now she is gone. I don't speak the language well at all, don't fit in with the culture and generally am incredibly isolated. It's not a very friendly place, and most of my interactions with people are either neutral or negative. My husband has agreed, somewhat reluctantly, to try to move back next year, but in the meanwhile, I'm stuck in an apartment I hate, a precarious job, and a culture I don't relate to. I'm trying to hold it together until we leave, but it's hard to fight the constant stream of annoyance and depression. What can I do to get myself in a better mental place so I can power through the next 9 to 12 or more months?
0: That originally, by the way, that or more interstitial bit had like eight uh, question marks when I first got it. So like they're definitely stressed out that this is going to last forever. Um, Don't move with someone. Ever. If, you know, the the, the one piece of advice I think I can give anyone based on this column is if you are married to someone who wants to move somewhere, let them go. Even if it's like down the street because (laughs) you will end up writing me and you will be really sad. Um, this is like a weird flip side, right? Of the last one where, but I I found myself having so many questions, like all your interactions with people are negative. You've never even like bought gas from someone who was like, have a nice day or whatever. Unless she considers that neutral. I I consider any interaction where someone does not actively wish me harm to be positive. (laughs) Um, because I think life's really hard, you know, and like, you know, mutual like non-aggression is I think a remarkable achievement for human beings. Um, But yeah. All right. So uh, on the plus side, is there a plus side? Someone's dead. That's not a plus side. That's sad. Um, I I don't know. I feel bad. You've been there three years. You haven't really learned any of the language. You haven't made any friends. Um, And now you're just trying to power through the next 12 months and try to get out of there. So it's a little late to be like, join a book
1: club. Or talk to someone or w- work. Right. If it's been that long and you hadn't done any of those things beforehand, I don't see. At oh, they do have a job, but it's precarious. Precarious. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's probably for the best because you don't want to stick around. Um, yeah. I man, I mean, it's been three years and it's just gonna be another nine months. Uh, just get the hell
1: out of there. Yeah, I mean and so they have children and I'm wondering oh, they how do. old yeah, yeah I'm wondering how old those children are because if they've been there for three years with the kids, I think that makes it even a little bit more difficult to leave. No, I don't believe that. Well, no, not in terms of not in terms of her wanting to leave, but in terms of like we sh- maybe we should stick around because her husband's
0: I, I was gonna say that my husband has somewhat reluctantly agreed to start like I just I don't see them just like smoothly moving back. I see them being like, so we're still going to move, right? And it's like, oh, I thought, well, since we were already here, we'd just stay. Um, I don't know. Honestly, if it were me, if I hated it, I'd been there three years already. I'd be like, I'm going home. I will find us a house. Uh, I will call you when it is ready and you can come too. Um, But then there's a real chance they'll just never show up. Right. Go for it. Just move. Yeah, go get out of there. You don't like your job. You don't relate to anybody. You think everyone wishes you ill. You're mad all the time. Get out of there. Like, she's the woman you moved there is, 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 is gone. Um, you don't like the apartment. I assume it's haunted. Uh, move, be like, I will, I will volunteer. Darling, I will be separate from you for several months at a time, even though it would make me so sad. To go move back to whatever country I'm from and look for a house for us, and then they can join you later, and you'll be so much nicer to them when they get there because you won't have been mad for the last nine months. Right? People do that. Get out of there. Go. You're not here. I don't know why I'm talking to you like you are, um, but that's my advice. Anything else? Do you think you think you should try to like stick it out more? You think my advice is bad? Of just go. I don't. <laughs> you don't
1: have to be diplomatic. You can fight. <laughs> I I don't. I think they need to like. Have a concrete plan about leaving. So just bringing it up and then letting her husband be like vaguely answer about maybe we'll leave at some point. Right. It's, I'm looking at it to try to move back next right. year. You, you need, if he, if you actually say, like get a we ticket, a don't be like, oh, plan. if only, like right. buy a plane ticket. If he, you try to make him make a concrete plan and he still pushes back and gives you vague answers, then I think it might be time to just.
0: I kind, of, I
1: kind of want to swap the couples from the first two letters, uh, which I don't think would
0: really solve any of their problems, but at least it would make new problems for both of them, <laughs> which I'd be kind of interested in seeing. I don't know. It was just a thought. I feel like the husband from the first letter wouldn't really like having stepkids. But I also like that. I feel like both the people who wrote these letters are pretty like intense personality wise. And I like the idea of both of them just like really going for it, just like bumping <laughs> foreheads and not backing down. Um, yeah. I don't know. Good luck. Uh, I'm excited for this next one because it's a totally different but similar kind of problem, which is just uh, we eloped and now everyone hates us, um, which is great because I get a lot of letters from people who are like, should I elope? And I'm always like, sounds like a good idea. Um, probably. Uh, and no one has ever like, I eloped and it worked out terribly. Um, so, so at last we get to see the fallout from these elopements. Uh, dear Prudence, my husband and I got very, married in Las Vegas a month ago. We've been engaged for three years while we tried to finish our educations and the thought of planning our wedding had me breaking out in hives. Our families are a mess. Holidays are hard enough, but the emotional logistics of trying to please people who I love dearly, but who cannot be in the same room together. My mother does not want to see my stepfather and his new wife, despite the fact that he raised me. My biological father might be sober, but it hurts my parental grandparents to mention that fact. And my husband barely speaks to anyone in his family. That's a mess. Uh, we felt the romance and necessity of an elopement would solve all our problems, but instead it earned the collective ire of everyone we're related to. I can't have a phone call with my mother with, about her crying about, without her crying about missing her only daughter's wedding. My grandparents and aunts and uncles have all called to tell me how disappointed they are. And my biological father sent me an email about how he wanted to walk me down the aisle. The man missed my high school and college graduations. That's beautiful. My husband is getting the same feedback from his family, except on a different coast. Our friends support us, but I'm tired of trying to justify not spending thousands of dollars. We don't have for people who can't even pretend to be civil to each other for a weekend barbecue. How should we handle this other than the silent treatment? Do I confront my family with the truth? Wait, what truth? I feel it would be throwing. <laughs> is there more truth? Uh, I feel it'd be throwing gas on the fire, but I'm getting tired of getting scolded for getting married. Uh, <laughs> I love I love the little detail of like, I feel like I know exactly how involved a father she had that he emailed, emailed her, her. Like, like, like not
1: even a phone call. He's like, oh,
0: I was really gonna do it. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you know that the dishwasher is clean, but you don't empty it. And then you go to work and then you get home and it's been unloaded. And you're like, Oh, I was gonna unload the dishwasher. <laughs> And you were never going to unload the dishwasher. That was pure performance. But uh, you really need to make sure that like whoever's in your family gives you at least partial credit for thinking about unloading the dishwasher.
1: Right. Yeah, he was never going to walk you down the aisle. No. He was going to have a thing that day.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I think that... So it's really interesting that she said confront my family with the truth. So like they're a monolith. And so I think she has to like separate people and decide who's... Which relationship is like worth preserve, like worth preserving or making peace with that person? About Maybe this? not start with dad as dad's email. <laughs> I feel like biological dad, silent treatment. Definitely, but her mother, who she seems to speak to on a regular basis, right? She might have to actually, because it's. I feel like that's the kind of thing. If she cries about it every time you talk to her, that she's going to bring up forever. So mm. either you discuss it with her and hope that you get to are, I mean, I guess it, that might not stop her from crying about it all of the time, but I feel like at least it's out there.
2: I just also feel like
0: that's not a good strategy. Like I'm sure she feels sad enough to cry, but like if your strategy is, I want to remind you of how upsetting it is to spend time with me. Don't you regret not having a wedding that I got to go to? It's just like, uh, it's an, it, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. Like you're reminding her why you're such a fucking burden. Right. Um, That was that was too far. I I lost the room. I lost the room with fucking burden, Uh, which is fair. I hear it. I hear it now in my own voice. Uh, I feel like lately I've been giving a lot of people advice that's just boiled down to like, who cares? They're just your family. Um, And I don't I don't want to do that all the time. So I'm going to try to go with let's say they don't sound like monsters. They sound like difficult people, certainly they're not like abusive they're not always like criticizing you they're just complicated people so i assume that their like real sadness is genuine and and has to do with like wishing that they could have celebrated your wedding with you and not just that they love making your life miserable so making that assumption i like your idea of talking to people separately um and I think maybe to have a conversation where you acknowledge, like I really understand that you're sad and that you missed out on this. And I want you to know it's not that I don't care about you. It's not that we were being really thoughtless. Um, but like the idea of planning a wedding was so stressful and exhausting to us. This meant a lot to us. We're really happy. I would love for you to be able to celebrate that with me. Like, like, if, if you want to have like a party at the house with like 20 people, I would love to do that. And if the response to that is like, no, it's not good enough. Then I think you can draw a line and say like, okay, well it happened. And I, you know, you're going to need to acknowledge this. And like, I'm not going to apologize to you again for getting married um, and not throwing like a $20,000 party. Um, but I love you a lot. And you have the opportunity to celebrate with me now if you want to. Right. Um, and yeah, as for your dad, I think you can just go with, Oh, sorry. Like, I was going to ask you at my college graduation, but you weren't there, so
1: <laughs> Just send back a text message that's the upside-down smiley face. New phone, who is this?
0: <sighs> or just or just like, if you really want to go for it, which like why not? Why wouldn't you? Uh, you could always just be like, "Oh Dad, you know, even if we were going to have a formal wedding, I was never going to ask you to walk me down the aisle. Uh, but thanks for your concern. <laughs> Your disappointment is noted. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that guy. Yeah, no. He's not really a part of your life, and that's just a lousy thing. Emailing someone, I wanted to walk you down the aisle. Well, I wanted to be an astronaut, you know? Some things we should just keep to ourselves. This guy. Yeah. um, Yeah, that would make me want to elope more. That would make me want to, like, elope a baby. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, like, does that make sense? Is that scanning? Like, if you could elope a baby. I would want to do that in retaliation to these people, Um, which is why uh, I I don't make a very good advice columnist sometimes (laughs) because I always identify with the person who's in trouble. Uh, And my response like initially is always just like, make it worse. (laughs) Just remind them why they should never have an expectation of you ever and um, push them away. (laughs) You're supposed to read one now, right? Yep. Yeah. Also, congratulations on eloping. It sounds like you guys had a really nice wedding. Yeah. You seem happy with your choice. Good for you.
1: Okay. Subject, no interest in sex. Dear Prudence, I'm a woman married to another woman. For most of our relationship, three years, I've had no interest in sex. My wife is losing patience with me. I'm working hard to address depression and anxiety with meds and with therapy, but nothing helps. I'm also working through PTSD related to a sexual assault. My wife just thinks that I don't find her attractive and that I'm frigid but I don't like sex. I'd be perfectly happy without sex at all. What can I do? So if I'm honest, I almost didn't put this question in
0: here because I was embarrassed that we had like an actual lesbian bed death question. Cause I, I, I don't want it to be real and I don't think it is. I don't think it's like worse than with other various orientations, but I was like, Oh, this is, you can't show our dirty laundry. Like people can't know about this. Um, so I wish one of them was a boy. But they're not. Um, And they still have a problem. This is a bummer. This is a sad. There's no fun dad emails in this one. No. I feel like, so my question with this one is, like, it sounds like, like, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's PTSD, all of which is, like, pretty serious. But it kind of sounds like what she's saying is, I'm just not interested in sex. And I wonder if that was always the case. And it kind of sounds like that's what she's trying to say is, like, even if none of these were a factor, like, even before that wasn't really interested in having sex, don't really care, would would prefer never to have sex again. Um, which I sort of wonder, did you know that when you married your wife? And did you mention that to her?
1: Right.
0: Because that's that's hard. Like that's that's I, I, I can imagine like I would I would sort of want that in a marriage, presumably. Um and that's that's ah, I feel bad. I don't know. I'm you talk now.
1: Well, I feel like Yeah, it's, it's really hard because that's, for some people, a very important part of their relationship. And it's not even like we've grown apart. It's, right. I have no interest in this at all, possibly. Yeah. And there's no way to fix that. So I think you have to really think that even if the therapy and the meds do start to make you feel better in other ways and that doesn't change, have a real conversation about maybe this isn't going long-term.
0: Yeah, because I think one of the real big problems right now is she says, like, my wife's losing patience with me, which suggests that, like, your wife thinks this is caused by depression, anxiety, PTSD. When we address those things, there will be some sort of change. Not like, oh, we'll fix you and it'll be perfect, but, like, we're both trying to move in the direction of, like, having sex regularly and, like, experiencing desire for each other. And you're thinking i'm glad i'm like getting these like mental health issues issues treated but like even even once i'm feeling more functional or more well i still don't want to sleep with you you should tell your wife that like she should know i think if if you're like babe i love you a lot but um as great as you are and as much as i'm feeling better now i don't think i ever want to sleep together um like she should know she should definitely have that information and you should say it kindly like don't If like, if right now she's feeling like you think she's unattractive, like, don't just like throw it out there. Like, by the way, I like never wanted to sleep with you. I thought you knew that. I'm so sorry. Um, Boy, that's, that's a hard conversation to tell somebody to have. Right. But I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, like you guys have been together for a couple of years through this. It's possible that like that will come as a relief to her. Not that like you won't then have to figure out what to do next, but she'll be able to say, oh, I wasn't just like not doing a good enough job of being attractive, or I wasn't working
1: hard enough to make
0: you feel safe and comfortable. You just don't want to have sex with me. That makes me
1: feel less like bananas. Right, there's a like sadness around that but then also a relief knowing what's going on. It's always better to know the
0: reality of a situation, even if the reality is really difficult. If I were in that partnership and I were thinking my wife's been through a ton lately, but you know, if we keep trying and we really like try to help her, like we're going to start sleeping together again soon. That would just drive me totally mad to feel like, what am I not doing right? That like, this is not getting better at all. Um, And so like, maybe you tell her and she's like, Oh, okay, that's great. Uh, I still really want to have sex. So we need to talk about that. Or, okay, I can do without sex so much. Or maybe you are the kind of people who would be like, if sex is not important to one of you but is important to the other, you can have an open relationship. Some people are not like, I don't want sex separate from the person I'm committed to. That would not be a fun arrangement for me. Um, so we should probably like, amicably part ways or maybe it would be great. Maybe you would be like, Oh, fantastic. I, all I want to do is sleep with someone, but as long as I have permission from you, I don't really care. Uh, well then I mean, don't really care. Like be nice to the people you sleep with. Um, even if you don't like them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, I feel bad. I think you're both like good people. I don't think you're trying to hurt your wife's feelings and I don't think she's trying to push you too hard, but I think you should definitely tell her. Um, and if you lose the relationship, you lose the relationship. But I don't think that you can keep this from her. And I think you both need to be really honest. And if, like, if her deal breaker is, I want to be married, and the person I'm married to, I want to be able to sleep with, like, at least sometimes, or at least have that possibility. And you're like, nope, not interested, like, you should find somebody who you're more compatible with. Like it's absolutely fine to be asexual. Um, And there's like people out there who like, there's a great community and like, you can kind of be open about that and look for somebody who wants that too. Um, But it's, it's painful I think for the both of you to be hoping for a totally different state of affairs and not knowing what the other one wants. Right. Buddies. you're going to be okay. Keep taking care of yourself. I just want to just want to pat them on the
3: head. I like you.
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know. That one's really hard. That one's really hard. Um, So let's talk about uh, money problems that don't exist yet. I like this one. This one's about like a hypothetical future problem, which I'm really jazzed about getting asked. Uh, This one's just called Money Matters. Dear Prudence, I'm a recent college graduate working an entry level job as a legal assistant as I save money to relocate from my college town and consider graduate school. I've been with my boyfriend, let's call him Alan. Oh, let's. Uh, Since 2011, and we have a great time together, and we're very similar. We both come from middle-class backgrounds and needed to work through college to support ourselves. We have similar outlooks on life and have always had similar plans for the future, until recently when Alan got an unexpected surprise, learning that a distant family member left him a considerable amount of money, six digits, in her will. That's so many digits. <laughs> this is such a good problem because it involves an eccentric distant relative leaving you money, which is like your problem's the Westing game. <laughs> well, we can hope. Uh, he'll receive the money in two years when he turns 25 and plans to move it to the city of his dreams and pay for the best law school he can get into. That is sad. Um, <laughs> Tell him not to go to law school with this money. Uh, This is an amazing opportunity for him, unless he goes to law school. Uh, And I think furthering his education is a great way to spend the money. The only thing is, I don't think I'll feel as allied with him when he suddenly has all these opportunities I don't. I'm afraid I'll be comparing our relative levels of opportunity and success and will likely feel resentful towards him when I can't keep up. Oh my God, this is like that couple where she bought him dinner that you were talking about before. This is them. Uh, If they kept dating, Uh, I don't think there's any reason he should use his inheritance to help me. Wow. Okay. Good to know everyone for themselves in this relationship. Uh, And I would never ask him to, but I'm afraid that we're no longer as similar as we were before the money came and that our futures will be more divergent than I thought they were. I'm considering breaking up with him. So money isn't what drives a wedge between us. That would exactly be what drove the wedge between you. I, sorry, i finished the letter. Finish the letter. Keep focused. You can say stuff about it afterwards. Uh, but we have so much fun and are happy together, and it's hard to imagine being without him.
1: You got money. Get out." <laughs> so, I know that there can be, obviously, like money can cause real issues. This is especially. like a gold flinger. This is the opposite of a gold digger. She's like, "Oh, yeah. gold, get it away. I hate it) <laughs> especially when like someone has so much more like it's all of a sudden but i feel if the only thing they had in common was like we're both middle class and (laughs) hardworking was what kept them together for five years that's it that's all is that the only thing i feel like it probably wasn't there's probably so much many other things in their relationship to have kept them together for that long nope just socioeconomic specificity (laughs) We both had a one car garage growing up. (laughs) That it feels like she needs to not break up with him. I would say don't do or not without just be like, oh, you're getting this inheritance in two years. Let's just break up now. Yeah, And you're going to go to law school with
0: it. You're not going to like buy a plane. Does she know
1: how much law school costs? Because that's going to eat up a big chunk of money. How much does it cost, by the way? Six figures. That's it'll be gone.
0: There we go. Then he'll be back to normal. <laughs> he'll fritter it away on law school, uh, and then maybe he won't be able to pass the bar, and you'll be richer than him. <laughs> Which it sounds like, then you'll be like, well, I'm not helping you, buddy. Uh, because as we both know, this is like the Ayn Rand of relationships. <laughs> no helping. Just two Ayn Rands making out. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, this I, – I, I feel like – I I don't want to make it sound like I think money can't change relationships because they definitely can. Right. Um, and I also wouldn't want to encourage someone to just, like, assume if you're dating someone and they get money, it's yours. That's That's not the vibe I want to go for on the Dear Prudence show. But it's kind of – I don't think you need to think of a relationship as especially when you guys have been together for a while and you're so compatible and happy together. You don't need to think of it in terms of like, we never help each other. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. We would never make joint decisions. We would never share or consider sharing part of what we received from someone else. I've smacked myself in the face with my own microphone. Um, Yeah. Like you actually could talk about these things together. And maybe if someday you wanted to, like, be partnered in a more long-term sense, you would sometimes talk about the idea of, like, money
1: being a shared resource and obligation, not just, like, draw the line down the middle, this is mine, that's yours. I get the feeling that she hasn't talked to him about this at all. Yeah. And it's kind of just let the fact that it's happening cause her to, like, dream out all of these scenarios. Yeah, like, he's going to show up in the Monopoly car tomorrow and just be like, I no longer need you. And I think... So that's she's like sat with it for so long that she's like starting to think of all these ways that things not, might not work for them. And so I would say, firstly, to talk to him about it. Yeah. And especially, like, talk maybe not say I have maybe not start with like I have anxiety about this. Maybe Oh, we should I, break think up. I think start. I think well, that? maybe not start with I think we should break up. I would. I would table that.
0: Um but I think some of the most important conversations I've ever had in relationships have been ones that start with like, here's exactly what I'm afraid is going to happen. Not because I'm trying to like scare them into not doing something, but just cause it's like, this is the one thing I'm really afraid of. And I know if I don't name what it is, uh, uh, I'm going to like act as if it's always on the horizon and act like there's always a threat in my peripheral vision that I can't quite see. And like in so doing we'll probably make it happen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if you don't say, Hey, I'm really scared this money is going to change our relationship. I'm scared that you're going to have a lot of opportunities that I won't have. I'm scared that I might resent you. Um, I'm scared that I won't be excited for you. I'm scared that this will take you away from me instead of bring us closer together. And I don't want that to happen. I would, I would, I would presumably like would like to be with you even if none of your relatives left you money. Um, and like I would like to be with you when good things happen and when bad things happen. Um, and so I would like to talk about like what do you, what do you envision for this? Like are you, are you worried about this too? And if he's like, yeah, I was worried, but I'm just going to like build a gold door that you can't get through. And like, that would, you know, that would be helpful information. If he seems like he's going to be a real jerk about it, then like, that's helpful. But I imagine he would probably say based on your letter, he would probably say something like, no, I really love you. Even though I'm going to have some more money in two years, I plan on loving you still, uh, even with an extra comma in my bank account. Like, so thanks for bringing You know what I mean? Like, I think he'll probably respond pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give him a chance to be good to you, I guess. Um, Cause it doesn't sound like he has a habit of like freaking out. If you try to buy dinner or saying things like, you know what I mean? Like if you've been together for like five years and he's still doing the like, well uh, I only had a uh, three quarters of a glass of wine at dinner and you had one and a half. So like actually you owe $2 more. Like he's not like nickel and diming you on a daily basis. I think maybe you can look at this as an opportunity to, get closer and for him to like go to law school debt free, which is great. Um, and to talk about like, how would you guys want to handle stuff like debt together? How would you guys want to handle stuff like windfalls together and not say like, can you give me half? But like, does he think of you as a partner in terms of like how he makes his decisions? Or does he see you as like a cocoon that he had for the poor phase of his life? Uh, and now that he is stepping up a rung on the socioeconomic ladder, he will shed you um, and find a more beautiful, beautiful, Hupa with which to you know jam his cloaca into <laughs> <laughs> oh I got th- I, I'm so sorry I almost said it and then I thought I can't and then I said it and then I thought why did I say it and I don't even think bugs have cloacas I think that's chickens but anyways in this mental image he's part chicken part bug <laughs> climbing out of his bug cocoon and turning into a chicken um i'm really sorry i said any of those things but yeah i don't know i don't think he's gonna be a jerk about it and i don't i definitely don't think you should preemptively break up with him like no wait until he gives you a really good reason then break up with
1: him and i'm sorry again for that image (laughs) did i read that one you read that yeah good for me you read the next one so the subject is thank you so much Dear Prudence, my father and his wife have developed a disturbing habit of cri- criticizing the gifts they receive directly to the giver. This year's thank you call from them just involved being berated about getting my stepmother's sweater size wrong. She is quite tall, so I opted for a large. I received a long lecture from her about how slender and narrow she is and that, <laughs> and that most of her shirts are not extra small. My father then told me that my stepmother said the handmade glider I sent him must have been a gag gift. My father is both a plane and toy plane enthusiast, and I do not give <laughs> I do not give gag gifts. The call was conflu- concluded by my father informing me that while the high-end calendar I bought for my stepmother was beautiful, that it will not fit in her calendar frame. <laughs> What's a calendar frame is my question. <laughs> okay, sorry. Their behavior both confounds and offends me because one, my father taught me as a child that the recipient should be nothing but grateful when acknowledging the gift. And two, my gifts are both thought out and personal. Should I try to discuss this with my father or just stick to gift cards going forward? For the record, I keep my cool in these situations. And in this latest round responded that I'd mailed the gift receipt for this letter, that perhaps the calendar could be hung in another room and that no, the, gl- the glider was not a gag. <sighs> um, can I, my first question is: Is this like a conference call where they're all three of them on it, talking about her gifts?
0: This definitely sounds like the kind of family that has conference calls. Like, this is one of the most formally written letters I've ever gotten, and just yeah, they. I, I think they have like formally scheduled conference calls. I think this is the family of Thurston Howell the Third. <laughs> I'm also picturing the stepmother as like an actual stick bug. <laughs> She's like, I am slender and narrow, both. Like, how dare you? I am the narrowest woman alive. I'm a line in math, you know? Because it's it's only in two dimensions. Uh no, this was amazing. I, I by the way, I don't know what your family is like. I come from a family where like every time we give someone a gift, it is always prefaced by like, and there's the gift receipt, so you can return it if you don't want it. And everyone's very like, oh thank you, this is lovely. And if we want to return it, we like do so quietly later on our own time. Um, because we're nice people.
1: Right, like, I worked in retail for four and a half years at a clothing store, and during the holiday season, I was like, do you want to get a gift receipt? And always, like, very nice when people brought things back in. Like, maybe they were like, I don't want them to know that I returned it. Can you just put it on a gift card or whatever? That is fine. Have you ever told someone that you, like, didn't like the present they got you? No.
0: I think I would rather die. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, the, like that is so, like... Uh, nuclear level rude to call someone and be like, you know, the gift you got me? Didn't like it. Didn't well, fit in my
1: frame. It's not even the simple, like, I didn't like this. It's the nitpicking that really got me on the yeah. like, flight. Exactly what was wrong with the gift. Like, this glider
0: glided insufficiently. You know, it didn't glide far enough. Who has a calendar frame? <laughs>
1: Who are these what? people? These people are jerks. <coughs> I mean, I don't think they deserve any better than a gift card. A gift card can be a great gift.
0: Yeah, no, this is... By the way, this is, like, an incredibly... Re- like, they, they already supplied their own answer in this letter, which I actually really appreciate, uh, and I wish more letter writers would do. Like, here's a really reasonable response I think I should have. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Target gift cards, going forward, $25, the most impersonal amount. Uh... <laughs> Or, or like, just like, just mess with them and get them like eighteen seventy five. It's like that's how much you deserve eighteen seventy five dollars worth of merchandise from Target. Um, yeah, wow. No, they're rude as hell. Part of me wants you to buy her extra large sweaters for the rest of her life. <laughs> like, oh, I keep writing it down, but it's like, ah, uh, is 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 extra small spelled with an L or an X and an S? I, I'm sorry, Linda, I forgot. Um... Yeah, I I just yeah, no, give them gift cards forever forever and ever. Get them in really petty amounts like 397 um And just if they ever complain, just say, I'm really sorry to hear that in the blandest tone. I I often encourage people to use really bland tones when someone's behaving horribly, because I like if someone's trying to scrabble on you, like they're trying to climb you for like a big emotional reaction, give them no footholds. Just like, wow, that sounds really difficult. I'm really sorry. That must have been really hard for you with your calendar frame. Where'd you get your calendar frame? Like, also, you probably have a calendar on your phone. It's 2016. Need a calendar on your wall, much less one you frame, nor much less one in every room. You could hang it in another room. It's going to be the same day when you walk into the living room. Yeah. Um, mail the gift receipt, or don't mail the gift receipt and say that you mailed the gift receipt, and then send her like a fake tracking number. <laughs> So that she goes to the post, because this is a woman who would go to the post office to yell at someone like this is like hands down. She, she bothers the people who work at the post office. I don't want to do that to the postal workers. Oh no, that's a good point that they're just doing their jobs. Fair enough. But I love the idea of being like, yeah, it's like X, Y, 95 T two sixty, And then when she goes there, they're just like, we don't even use that alphanumerical (laughs) code. Like that's not even our system. And she's just like, well, this is what she gave me. Yeah. No gift cards forever. Uh, never give them anything thoughtful ever again in your life and give them a fake tracking number <laughs> just once, just once. All right. All right. Oh, I just, what is, eff- get it together. Uh, engagement ring, temper tantrum. Dear Prudence, after the legalization of gay marriage, my girlfriend of six years popped the question. We're so excited. My engagement ring belonged to my fiance's grandmother who passed away many years ago. I was touched to receive a family heirloom and everyone in the family is thrilled for us except my fiance's aunt, that is. She is so upset that I have the ring that she threw a temper tantrum at a recent holiday gathering. She pouted, sulked, and refused to eat the elaborate meal that my fiance had made. She refused to eat. She's on a hunger strike. Uh, she huffed around all night looking miserable and trying to gain sympathy. No one gave her any attention. We were looking for excitement and congratulations and got an awkward evening with everyone counting the minutes until midnight so it would finally be over. I was consider- considering redesigning the ring anyway since it's not exactly my style, but now her outburst has put a bad taste in my mouth. Do I just give it to her to keep the peace? No. Wear a ring that I don't love so she doesn't have a huge freakout? Redesign the ring and risk a bigger fight? I'm pretty much ready to wear tin foil instead. Give her a tracking number. <laughs> Tell
1: her that you have mailed the engagement ring to her house. And oh my gosh, I'm not one for rewarding bad behavior, uh-huh. especially in adults. Uh huh. So I really don't want her to give it to the aunt.
0: But I, I, a part of me just wants to like give her the ring and just be like, enjoy it. I didn't even like it. You know, good luck finding someone to marry you. Um, oh <laughs> wow okay sorry everyone really loved the homophobic ants. my apologies but
1: do we we don't know we don't know why she's upset so is it that she just wants the ring
0: it was unclear whether she was upset that it was like this engagement ring is going to like two women and that was the problem or if it was just like i wanted the engagement ring um, both of which are bad, but right. one of which is definitely worse than the other. Yes, I want to be really mad at her. So I assumed homophobia, but it's not supported by the text. Um, I do not have the evidence to back up my wild assertion. Um, so I, I'd like to take the opportunity to stand
1: down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <sighs> also because it's just one family member it's Mm -hmm. not like a whole everyone else is like this is great she gave you that ring and right no one's taking sides in like ring gate 2016 no no one's like one singular person Mm -hmm. ah all right so let's say
0: you don't love the ring i i don't think you should keep it as is because you don't like the ring so either you should redesign it Or give it to her and pick another ring you like more. And I think this is where asking your fiancé should come into question. Because maybe it's really special to your fiancé. Like, maybe she went, like, to the trouble of getting that ring because she really wants to, like, you know, share that sort of, like, tradition. In which case, like, don't just, like, fling it off at this, like, I'm just calling her homophobic. I'm just going with it. Um, At this woman, like, just to, to get rid of her. But, like, ask. Yeah. And if she's like, no, like, I love it. I've always wanted it. My grandma promised it to me. It's, like, really meaningful. Like, keep it. You know, and she can just like die of anger or something. You know what I mean? She's not going to die of not having a ring. No, she does not have some sort of like ring based vitamin deficiency that only this ring can cure. Right. Like she's fine. She's going to be there's other rings. Right. It's not the last ring. We didn't run out of rings. You can get one anywhere. I don't know. It like the time to speak up. Right. Was many years ago when the grandmother in question died. right? Right. Like, it sounds like she kind of just slept on this ring and was like, I bet it'll be there for me, like, when I need it, and then never did anything about it. And then, like, the ring was given to another, and she was like, ah. Like, this is not a big enough thing to start a fight about. Like, if if your ring fight is less, is lower stakes than the Lord of the Rings, you're being petty, right? It's just a ring. So that's, I think that's the, like, bar you should always have to clear doesn't make me invisible and turn my life into too much butter over too little bread. That's not how it works. Strike that Reverse it too little butter over too much bread. (laughs) The problem with the Lord of the Rings was not that everyone had too much butter.
1: (laughs) What was the question?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I no. I'm going to go ahead and say this. If your fiance doesn't care too much, give her the ring. I've, 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 I've been really coming down on people today and I say, if she, like, really cares about it, there's not that many family heirlooms you're going to get. If you don't like it and your fiancé's indifferent and this woman really wants it, give her the ring and be super gracious. And in so doing, you will keep burning coals upon her head. Um, that's from the Bible, so it's a good idea. Um, and then, but if, like, if you kind of like it and your fiancé really wants to keep it, then keep it and, like, get it, rest- get it redone. Like, just knock it out. Like, make it look totally unrecognizable. And then just just walk around like this all the time. So either be really um, passive or or give it to her. Okay. What do you... Okay, but like, what's your final ruling? Your final ruling is don't give it to her no matter what?
1: I really want to say my final ruling is don't give it to her no matter Are what. Are we inviting her to the wedding? Is this big enough to not invite? I guess... It- <sighs> I guess if she's at holiday gatherings, then you're like relatively close to her. So Mm -hmm. you will keep seeing her Mm -hmm. and she'll probably be at the wedding.
0: Just be super nice to her all the time. Super nice, but enforce the boundary. Like, nope, not going to give you the ring, but it's so glad to see you. What else would you like to talk about? Anything else? Like, we're doing really well. Thanks for asking. How's your cousin's cat's sciatica? (laughs) I don't know if cats can get sciatica. (laughs) probably not. Um, all right. I think we've got time to wrap this up and then we do have a little time to (coughs) take questions from the audience in case anyone wants to. So I'm going to skip the one about, uh, somebody who might have a half sibling because we don't know. That's not good enough. And I want you guys to have something really good. I want to, I want to finish strong. Uh, this one is about getting emails from exes. Uh, and it's wonderful. Dear Prudence, my partner and I have been together for over 10 years and we have a great relationship. Back in February, I got a message on Facebook from an ex-girlfriend I haven't heard from in 13 years. We were on again, off again, and I know her to be manipulative and selfish. The message said she missed me. I ignored it and didn't respond because I didn't know what to say and I didn't want to open the lines of communication. In September, she sent me a message that said, Hey, pretty girl. I again ignored it and did not respond. A few weeks ago, she sent a message asking why I won't talk to her. I feel like maybe continuing to ignore these messages is not the best course of action. I'd like to say, I'm happily married now and don't see any reason for us to communicate. Surely she knows I'm married if we're friends on Facebook. I think she's being disrespectful and I want to shut her down. Am I being harsh or is my response justified? This made my skin crawl because if I send someone a text and they don't write back within five minutes, I assume it's because they hate me and I would never send a second. So the idea of sending multiple texts to an ex and getting nothing and then thinking like, you know what? I should call her pretty. That'll do it. I just like, I would rather be skinned alive. Like, does this, does this woman have no self-consciousness? Apparently not. Have you, have you ever repeatedly texted an ex despite not hearing back? No. Have you ever gotten repeated texts from an ex and not responded? No. No well, that's not helpful. (laughs) I, yeah, no, I, I just like, I can count on one hand the number. Like if I text someone and then I see the ellipses and then the ellipses go away, I want to run to the moon. Like, I just think they almost liked me enough to write a sentence and then they stopped and they realized, nope, I can't get there. I don't. Um, and then they gave up. So this is, I just, I'm amazed that this kind of person has that kind of confidence. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead and tell her you're married. You don't want to talk. Also, defriend her on Facebook. Why are you friends with her?
1: uh, That was interesting because like, I know her to be manipulative. I,
0: I, it sounds like this person might be a little bit older and has like just a different way of using Facebook, which is sort of like, Oh, I'll accept a friend request, but I don't really plan on interacting with you. Um, but yeah, unfriend her. You don't like her. She's mean, except when she calls you pretty, um, which you already have someone who does that. Probably. I would say unfriend and block nice yeah you don't even have to send a message back like that'll send a message see what i did there send a message yeah just block blocker you don't have to because the next one's gonna be like oh you're too good to talk to me now is that it like that's how they always progress right, right. it's always like how's it going what's going on thinking about you you're attractive oh you're too good for me fuck you um yeah. that is the the flow of that kind of one-sided conversation definitely um, yeah in general if you text someone and they never respond And then you call them pretty, and they never respond. You gave it all you could. You fought the good fight. You tried. It did not work. There's not a magical phrase. You know, it's like like when your dog thinks it's found like a spot by a fence that it's going to dig through. But your dog is like an old King Charles Spaniel, and he's not going to get through it. And you just find him out there always doing this, and he's basically just denting grass. And you're just like... I wish you freedom from this journey that you think you're on. And I'm going to like remove you from this situation. Cause it's not going anywhere. Don't send texts into the void. Uh, at most, I think you can do three, three texts with no response. Or messages or whatever. Beyond that, you have to give up. That's my official ruling at all times. Uh, I think they mentioned that on Master of None in one episode. Do it, they I think really? It's a general Good. Rule. Yes. I feel like Aziz Ansari also has like an obsession with like texting and letting someone know that you don't want to talk to them ever again. And I wish more people would like assign their like full force of their feelings to figuring out like the exact amount. Don't do it. Don't do it. And If you call someone pretty and you never hear from them again, throw away your phone. <laughs> Just like. Get rid of it. You're done. Um, this is perfect. We did it. We, we fixed everyone's problems.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: we do have a couple of minutes. So if anyone in the audience has a question that they would like to be answered in real time, I promise we will be much nicer than we were to the first person who wrote in. Uh, and, like, you have the opportunity to do so now. But if not, you don't have to. No one's required. <gasps> yes.
3: Hi. Hi. So, my question is, I have a friend who is with a boyfriend who's not good for her. Ugh. Neither of them are bad people, but it's, it's not a good match, to put it nicely. And she keeps asking me, he did this terrible thing, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? At what point do I say, you need to break up, and unless you're calling me to tell me that you've broken up, I kind of don't want to hear any more about it.
0: Ooh. How long have they been dating? A year and a half. A year and a half? Oh, boy. Yeah, I think there's a statute of limitations on because it sounds like it's not just like occasionally they have like a disagreement and she's checking in it's like constantly on the verge of breaking up
3: three or four times a week a week well that, that he, he did something to annoy me
0: enough that like i need to go tell my friends yes I, I would say the next time she calls yeah i think three or four times a week for a year and a half that's three or four times of a year's worth of <laughs> <laughs> of problems however many that is that's so many yeah, I think you. I think you get to do it. Uh,
1: no, I agree. Okay. I thought you were going to say like twice a month. But when you said three or four times a week, then definitely. The Has she time. like exhausted her other friends? Like
0: have other people already been like, you got to you got to stop calling me about him.
3: I think I'm one of her only friends who's in a very long-term relationship. Okay. So I've been with my husband for 12 years.
0: So she's like, you're a person... You no, know, yeah. you've
3: gone through something yeah, yeah, yeah. together. Does your husband do this? It's always she, the phrasing.
0: Has she noticed that you're not calling her three and four times a week to complain <laughs> about your husband?
3: Uh, there, are, there are, of course, months where I want to. Sure. But
0: not no. three to four times a week?
3: No. Great, no,
0: congratulations no. on your wonderful marriage. Oh, I try. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely time. I feel like there's kind of two techniques you could do kind of depending on how she handles like feedback criticism in general. She's like highly sensitive. I'm going to suggest the more opaque one first, um, which is sort of like um, uh, that sounds really hard. I wish you the best of luck. And like in kind of a way that's like not, Oh God, tell me more, give me more details. And like, if she kind of keeps insisting, you can kind of say like, Hey, I really hope that you're able to work this out. I don't have any advice for you. So let's talk about something else. Um, if you think she can handle a little bit more, or if you're just like ready to like cuss her out, um, and you need to say something before you get to that point, then I would say, go with, Hey, I've noticed that you call me often about issues that you have with Stalin. Uh, and, I, uh, I, I just want you to know that I think this sounds like a relationship where you're not getting what you need. And I, I don't want to, um, sort of be your sounding board anymore. I just don't think you guys are right for each other. Um, but I know that you have to make that decision on your own. Um, but that's that's what I think. And so I think that you should probably not ask me for more advice about this. Depending on how she handles feedback.
3: Oh, yeah. Gentle I or... I get advice in real time, I yeah. give you my answer in real time. I'm doing the second one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and I think you can say to someone, not like, I think he's like the worst person in the world and you should like kick him in the face. Um, but just like, it sounds like, you know, you call me every week, multiple times, pretty upset. And that's just not what I want for you in a relationship.
3: It's boring. To yeah. You, to me. Yeah.
0: And like, just like, I want you to be with someone who like only bothers you that much once a month or less. Like, I think that that would be a better, you know what I mean? Like that's the rate of irritation. I, yeah. I wish for you. And I just don't think that like, I don't recognize this in my own relationship and I don't think we're like so perfectly matched that we're just this magical aberration. I genuinely think like you could find someone who's better suited for you. But yeah. It's time. Do it. I'm going to. Will you write me back and let me know how it goes? Yes.
3: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck. Awesome.
0: I think, I think we could handle one more. Um, although, again, don't have to.
2: Yeah. Come up. Hi. Hi. Um, this is a work question.
0: Great. We haven't had any personal. work ones today.
2: Yeah. Um, so I got a new job in January. So I've been there less than a year. And there was a woman who consistently would talk shit about me via email. And that she's very bad at life and would end up forwarding emails to people in the workplace. And so I was like, all right, this is like a one-year thing. I'm looking for jobs now. I'm going to get out. And then they fired her. <laughs> and so now I feel like I can never leave. And I'm just wondering like you you can't yeah I'm I'm, like stuck there literally forever because they didn't fire somebody for me there were tons of other reasons that it was time for her to go but um now I just kind of feel stuck and I'm trying to remove like the personal aspect of it and like separate the professional and the personal and just kind of figure out like what's next for me in my career in general without being like you took this big move to like move the office forward and like I appreciate that but also like have other goals unrelated. I don't know.
0: Man. Um, well, congratulations on not having to work with somebody who would apparently forward you emails about mean stuff she had to say about you. Yes. That's um, excellent.
2: An excellent development. Was
0: it like a tiny office? Was she it's like small. So she yeah. really set the tone?
2: She yes, she said and yes, she set the tone. It was awful. Has
0: she been gone long enough that it's starting to that you have a sense for what the office looks like without her influence?
2: Yeah. I mean, people are generally like friendly and nice and it's nice to work with them. And like, we're not friends, but we're good coworkers Great, and like generally a nice place. Okay.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Um, but it sounds like it's not the kind of place that you see yourself in a couple of years. You're not like, this is the career I really want to have.
2: It's like not a forever thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's always great to have stayed somewhere a year if you can. Um, but I also don't think that you have to now say that, Uh, because she's left, I have to stay here for like another year and a half. Like if you were to start looking for jobs in January, because sometimes it's a little harder to get hired over the holidays and we're like heading into that season. Like maybe you can spend a couple of months, like enjoying your newly placid workplace and start looking for stuff (laughs) like beginning in January. What say you?
1: I think that sounds good. I, it's, I mean, they, I understand. You probably feel like that you, they, they sorry,
2: I feel like I owe them. <laughs> you feel basically. like you owe them yeah, something,
1: yeah, but yeah. it's a workplace. I right. mean, you they pay you, you do your job. That's really the type of relationship that you have, and so when you have to consider about like what you need from your career, then that's what you should really be thinking about. Not that you would just be like, Bye, I'm leaving, but mm-hmm. you want to be considerate always. But I don't think you need to really take that into account. Plus, them firing her was probably best for the company as a whole so I'm thinking that they really owe you something in that case and not really the other way around
0: I also I don't want to get too like you owe management nothing under (laughs) capitalism like all you have is your labor to sell and like management has the force of of institutions and the state behind them Um, uh, yeah you owe your work the following to do your job as it's like outlined in what you were hired to do um, to be present whatever amount of time per week you're supposed to be there um, uh, and to not like yell at people. That's about it. (laughs) Like I think you, you, if you can give someone two weeks notice, that's great. Um, I don't think we owe our workplaces like our happiness or, you know, there's often this real sense of like, oh well they like don't treat me like garbage, so I should be really grateful. And it's like, no, that's their job is to pay you for the work that you do. Um so even the nicest company is still a company um and they deal with stuff like people leaving. Sometimes at like challenging times of the year, it happens. It's super normal. Um, you don't have some sort of like uh indentured contract with them where you say I, I I solemnly vow to give you the next like three years of my life that's not the situation you have. So like if you found a great job in two weeks that like wanted to hire you and you're really excited about it, you could go uh, you don't owe them a full year just because you once had a really lousy coworker um, you can start looking anytime if it you know if you feel like it would look really good on your resume to have at least a full year, absolutely stay but like if if a great opportunity comes your way in the next couple of weeks or if you're looking for something and you want to interview for it, go for it. Um, you again. You don't owe them anything other than the work that you're supposed to do um, and a reasonable amount of like heads up warning that you're going to quit. Um, I get a lot of questions from people who feel like they owe management a lot, and it's just like you know that's not reciprocated, right? Like they don't feel that way about you, even if your boss is really nice. Um, but congratulations on having like a better workplace now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yay. That was our live show. Thanks for listening. We know you didn't have to. Chris Berube recorded us live on stage. Thanks also to Faith Smith, who runs Slate live shows, and everyone at the Now Hear This festival for such a great time. Dear Prudence is produced by Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate podcasts, and Andy Bowers is, as always, the chief content officer of Panoply. See you back here next week.